The Ryan Tuberty Show on RTE Radio 1 with Elevon Merchant Services. Growing your business is easy peasy with us by your side. The Ryan Tuberty Show on RTE Radio 1 with Elevon Merchant Services. Growing your business is easy peasy with us by your side. Good morning all, this is Ryan Tupper doing you at three minutes past nine this Tuesday morning, the 11th of January 2022 and we're here till 10 o'clock as we tend to be and our text number is good to go on 51551. It can email ryan at rte.ie, beautifully mild morning outside, no excuses now. If you fancy walk, go for it and um, I don't know if you've ever been in a house share situation or a flat share situation and I'm not talking about just your own family but obviously maybe when you're a bit younger student times maybe or maybe a bit older and you just happen to be in a house share situation and you get to the uh, problem of the fridge and the fridge is a territorial occupation situation kind of like Berlin after the war it gets divided up into shelves and corners and crevices and all sorts of uh, parts that you take ownership of you see so what happened was this is a story in one of the papers this morning is that every time she got down to the fridge Overnight, one of her housemates was obviously eating her way through her clearly marked food. It could have been ham, it could have been milk, but it was just becoming expensive and, dare I say it, more than that, constantly annoying. So what does she do? She says to her friend, "What? I, this I, one of them is doing it." Now we're into little, little, little uh, cozy crime mystery. One of, the, one of my housemates is, is eating their way through my stuff. What do we do? And this guy said to her, do you know what I did? Go on. I put a camera in the fridge and I caught my housemate doing it. So she said, brilliant. And she did. She put a camera in the fridge. She went to bed and the next day she got up, she reviewed the footage and found the housemate. Let's call her Kate because she does for the purpose of this story. And she says, I, I, was, I always believed it was Kate because one, she's awake late in the night time. Uh, I'm asleep then and I tend to notice my stuff missing in the morning. And two, I've asked all of them about it and the other girls both deny taking my stuff, but Kate gets all defensive and says I shouldn't accuse her when I have no proof. And then she got the proof. Now, when she confronted Kate with the evidence, then it became, but how dare you? How dare you film me taking food from the fridge now who's right and who's wrong it's a very modern modern conundrum is it not but she went on to say as uh, that that uh, you know it was Kate obviously she was raiding the food every day I confronted her because now I had proof I showed her the footage it said don't do it again and she should repay me she went all double down give me the money back for all the milk I, you know, I want I want this sixty eight p only because British, you know, they have a propensity for this sort of. Anyway, she she, she goes on to say she has since said that, that she'll never be able to. So Kate, the the offender, the food thief, has said she'll never be able to feel safe in her own home again because she was recorded, and she's uh, everyone's gone on her side. All the housemates are now gone on the side of the the food thief. They've called her names I can't repeat on the radio, and even though. They said, they said, you should have told, you should have asked everyone first. And she said, well, that would have defeated the whole purpose. I said, none of this would have happened if Kate had me stealing my food and lying about it. And now she uh, finds herself in a house that's very tense and no one looks at I, I have to say, if, if I think somebody, that there's a bit of wrong on both sides, weirdly, I don't want to live with somebody who's going to put a camera in the fridge. <laughs> 
<laughs> for the sake of half a pint of milk and a, and a couple of slices of cheese, I think. But then again, you know, you're paying, you're, you're earning your money and you're, you're paying. It, it, it's still one of those silly stories that catches the eye, but I, but I kind of like it. As long as she sniffs the milk first, just to make sure it's okay, like what she was saying, we were saying the other day. Although then I read again today um, that these uh, trendy uh, alternatives to milk have become a multi-million pound industry. I mean, they've come into the fridge in my house. I'm not not from for me. I've I've tried putting oat milk once. I was stuck once. I'm very rarely stuck. I get slagged at home for for my thing about milk. I, I like it really really fresh. I like particular milk. I think it's it doesn't really matter what it is. But anyway, it's it's, it's regular full fat milk. I don't want any heebie jeebie stuff. Right, just classic old school. And in comes the oat milk and the almond milk and stuff. And one day I was cut cut short, and I said I'm going to have to use one of these. Things, whatever those things, the girls like. So I put a bit of the oat milk into the, the, the I think it was a cup of tea. I like very strong tea, time, time, and tiny bit of milk anyway. Yeah, and no, it was rancid. I, I couldn't. I, that, that's not milk, I, as far as I'm concerned. I, I mean, maybe I'm of my time now at this stage and I'm past the ability to accept new forms of milk in my life. <laughs> I don't, I'm not buying that new stuff. So what you say, by drinking substitutes, according to this piece today, based on oat or almond and following a meat-free diet. That's 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 another element of this story. It says here that teenage girls in particular could be risking their health, um, according to a food expert who says that the move towards more plant-based diets means many are missing out on essential nutrients. So I don't know what the rights or wrongs of that are, but milk substitutes, with the exception of soya, typically do not match the protein content of cow's milk while shunning meat, meanwhile, could cost uh, could result in an iron deficiency. So that's uh, just comments made in one piece uh, this morning, as reported about from a professor called Ian Givens. In case you're wondering where the, the the provenance of that story comes from, and meanwhile, in the animal kingdom, again, in a manner of speaking, um, in the UK at least, uh, a a a councillor has said. Could everyone stop getting big dogs in your in their lives? Just, just just scale it down, dial down the size of your pets because large dogs have become a problem. They have the same carbon paw print as an SUV. How about that? So I read into this a little as as uh, into down into the article and. This councillor claims large dogs have the same carbon paw print as an SUV, and this has ignited a row in the kennel club. Because this guy, Mark Howell, has come under fire after he called for people to share or scale down the size of their pets. Um, and this was at a town hall meeting on climate change. And he claimed the carbon uh, paw print left by dogs like Labradors and German Shepherds is the same as an SUV car and said methane emissions from such animals are causing serious harm to the planet. And we've heard this about our bovine friends and now we're into our canine friends. And where it all ends, I, I don't know because I, I don't understand uh, this as much as I, I wish I could or should. Um, but they've, it, we're scaling down. Eventually, they'll say, "Get that chihuahua out of here, the methane. Get it out. Get it all out. That goldfish." But we're it, we're, move, we're moving away from the fields and the farms um, and the cows, and now we're heading towards the kennels to say, "Too big. Your dog's too big. We can be judgmental." And then when we see somebody with a big dog in the league, going, "Oh, God, Greta wouldn't like that." Shouldn't be doing that. That's not good. Methane, all that. Animals, not quite animals, but to me, I know what my beef is. Excuse the expression, but I'm not sure what my beef is with Crocs. I just am at a Crocs guy. I find it's a great expression that you've heard in, 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 in recent times. It gives me the ick. If I see a pair of Crocs, I get the ick. 
uh, from from um, male female beast. I I don't care if you're wearing Crocs. It just does something to me. Now, don't before you text in and 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 absolutely waste your your well earned money texting in about working in a hospital setting. Crock your way through life, and I admire and appreciate it. I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm talking about. This. I, I yeah. It just they just. But what I here I I'm in a minority here. I am I'm totally in the wrong with my thoughts on Crocs. I know this because this article here says that. Crocs sales have increased by 42% because people aren't going out as much and you don't want to wear Crocs in real life outdoors, do you? Um, unless you're on the beach or something and uh, or in a hospital, as I say, you all get a hospital pass. But in, in this case, with the Crocs, if you're going to the shop to buy a paper and you're wearing a Crocs, good. I mean, if you're comfortable, each to their own, but it's just not for me. That's what I'm just saying. But I think people have started to care less and less about what they wear, what they look like, and therefore Crocs, like, you know, as, as they say, knock yourself out and, 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 and no, please. Um, consumers stuck at home during the lockdowns over the past 18 months ditched dress shoes for more comfortable footwear. And why wouldn't you? But like I say, I'm in the minority there, so um, um, don't mind me. And shoppers have been swapping party outfits for comfy clothes in the, in the, in the um, Christmas sales as the Omicron variant saw festive parties cancelled and the return of working from home. So that's it. The the, the sales for uh, all of the comfy stuff uh, are, are still going up and and why wouldn't they? Quick story in from Germany. Uh, here's how it goes. Couple standing waiting for a train with a buggy. Now this, couples with buggies and, and men or women with buggies um, on the side of the street scare the I, they scare me so much when they're waiting for for the cars to, for the for the lights to change because they push it out too close to the street. It drives me. It makes me sick with worry. Right, that's fine. This is what this story is. They're waiting for the train. They're in where are they? Um, Dusseldorf. Waiting for the train. Train arrives. They go great, and the doors open. He pushes the buggy in, and like an idiot, he goes and he takes his hands off the buggy. So the buggy's gone in, and then he says to the wife, "Are you getting on the train? Doors closes and train's gone." With buggy and baby inside. And he's looking at his wife who was obviously delayed or was slow getting to the train. Get on with it. Uh, the train's about to leave quicker. And <laughs> uh, sure enough, the, 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 the train took off with... Now, the, this story ends well. Don't worry. It's, it's all lovely. The panicked parents, they jumped into taxis trying to beat... You can imagine their nerves were gone. And uh, as it turns out, the passengers saw what happened. They got in touch with the, t- con- con- the, with the conductor and he ordered the train to return to Dusseldorf. I'm sure the passengers were thrilled with that. Uh, but more importantly, they were reunited and all was well. But by Gillard. Um, other things that are being um, purchased in the UK, um, croc sales are going through the roof, as are Rolls Royces. Uh, if you want to buy a Rolls Royce, they'll start at 240,000, quarter of a million pounds sterling starters and work your way I don't I've actually never been sat in a Rolls Royce I don't know what what it, what it is like I'm sure it's very beautiful and, and interesting um, but they are up 50% so these are luxury items in some ways and the point is, is that uh, people are, are maybe they might have spent a lot of money on big holidays or bigger purchases and the like but they're going for luxury purchases those um, at that end of the market at least meanwhile in Kerry according to RT.ie it started off as a water spout and became a land spout tornado near the village of Ballyduff did you hear about this 
It had winds of about uh, between 120 to 150 kilometres per hour, with Met Aaron describing it as a weak tornado. Not a great one. So maybe about a 3 out of 10. And they said that tornadoes in Ireland are more common than you think. And there are about 10 to 15 tornadoes recorded in Ireland each year. And there is an amazing photograph of it there on the Met Aaron site. The Met Aaron app for the weather is, I've said it before and I'll say it again, the app. It'll tell you literally whether or not you should wear a coat or a hat and, and um, because it's so accurate. It's, it's, it's really, really impressive. Maya Angelou, poet, first black woman on the US quarter. As I say, the, the, um, the US Treasury has minted coins featuring Maya Angelou, the first black woman ever featured on the US 25 cent coin, known as also as a quarter. And she uh, was the first black woman, according to this piece, to write and perform a poem at a presidential inauguration, which I think it was Clinton's, if I'm not mistaken. And coins are planned for other pioneering women, including an astronaut, a tribal chief and an actress as part of the American Women Quarters programme. And this move was hailed by the nation's first female treasury secretary. So I suppose it took uh, a female Treasury Secretary to, to, to move this on and now it's happened. So uh, that is what's happening in the States. The coin for Maya Angelou is, is, is sees her with her outstretched arms. Behind her is a flying bird and a rising sun inspired by her poetry and symbolic of the way she lived according to the US Treasury Department. Um, the coins are also planned for the, the first female US astronaut, Sally Ride, um, and the first female chief of the Cherokee Nation and a campaigner for indigenous rights is a lady called Wilma Mankiller. Um, so I, I'll, yeah, I, I mean, we'll leave that there. But that's she's got she's she's made the quarter, and Anna May Wong is considered the first Chinese American film star in Hollywood. So she's uh, going to be featuring on the quarter. Okay. Margaret Hogan has been on 100% on the side of the girl who put the camera in the fridge. It was her stuff and she was entitled to see who was taking it. It's not like the camera was put in Kate's bedroom. Fridge is, is public area in a house share. You sound like a woman who knows what you're talking about, so I'm going to take your word for it. Also, the, the camera in the fridge didn't appear to be obtrusive, according to the piece. It, it was very much, all you saw was the hand going in, going, I have that, two slices of that, bit of that, spoonful of that, and I won't pay for any of it. And I certainly won't admit to taking any of it. We, says Phil, had someone stealing milk when I was a student, so it was dosed with a fairly heavy laxative. It soon stopped, but the use of toilet paper went up for a while. That's a pretty intense revenge story, is it not? Uh, I heard a similar story, says Mary, before, but instead of a camera used, uh, the poached orange juice was laced with laxative. I don't know if you wouldn't be encouraging lacing stuff with laxative. Never I travelled in a Rolls Royce once, says uh, text, from Ornmore Castle, lovely, to the Great Southern in Air Square, uh, long story, but it was the 60s. I'd say that's a good story, though. I'd like to hear more. I'd say that it goes it's the 60s, Ormore Castle. Sounds like the Rolling Stones might have been involved, you know, just getting, getting, getting a Welsh Ross. Yeah. Um, I'll get to that guy's story in a minute because it's really good. And I just want to see this email from Caroline. Started Agatha Christie's The Murder of Roger Ackroyd, which I am nearly finished um, over the Christmas lull I got distracted by Alan Cummings' baggage a riotous book but with Christie not sure says Caroline I've seen the elements that make Ackroyd a classic Christie but uh, maybe it's a slow burn but I have started so I will finish yeah we, and it's a slow it's a short read isn't it uh, Caroline but I'm with you on that and um, nearly finished it so we're reading um, you know, the same book at the same time oh my god it's amazing uh, but I'm also reading another book by a new addition to Irish crime writing 
uh, Jill Perdue uh, called the interview, which is really good. And I'll tell you about that again because not out till springtime. Um, so I read a few preview copies of books. I just put a, posted them up on Instagram this morning, actually. Uh, Adele Coffey's book, Breaking Point, which we'll be talking about in a couple of weeks with Adele, is another. Uh, it's a debut and it's 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 a knockout and you're going to love it. Um, Louise O'Neill's book, Idol, is an intriguing book, like I said this morning. But also uh, Agatha Christie in the middle of it all um, is lovely because as I was listening to a podcast called She Done It, all about uh, crime writing and crime writers. And the point was that in, in, in the UK at the moment, they can't keep Agatha Christie on the shelves because uh, everyone wants to read them. And they, this is because, and this leads to our guest this morning who will be talking to us about uncertainty. And the point that they, this bookseller was making in this, in this particular podcast was that Agatha Christie and, and, and the likes, Dorothy Sayers and so on, all wrote these books in the 30s and 40s when there was great uncertainty. There was the war, there was post-war, there was uh, people, there was a lot of bloodshed and, and, and horror, frankly. And suddenly these writers came along. I've just mentioned two women, but there was a, there was what they called at the time, and this is their expression, a surplus of women because all, so many men had been killed or sent off to the colonies uh, to populate Australia and so on. Anyway, back to the story. Uh, all these crime books were being written and what, what, what readers found was within the course of 250 pages, uh, they got a, a puzzle, the fixing of the puzzle, a solution, and certainty. And that was it. And not too much bloodshed in those books. They didn't need it. It was, it was assumed or implied. And that's why those books are now in the middle of a pandemic offering that little bit of certainty. And I certainly, Agatha Christie, who I never read before, I've read a heap of them over the last couple of months because maybe it is for certainty. Maybe that's why I love the Louise Penny books, the, the Garmash, because I know that yeah, it won't be too... There won't be too much horror in it and uh, an unpleasantness and, uh, and I'll have an answer. And sometimes that's what you need in life is an answer to the questions. Uh, so that's uh, something we're going to be talking about in a few minutes' time. Un- uncertainty in the world. 51551 is the text number. We're going to start with these chaps. X one We're open for business. I'm the defector And you're the Bellex one, <laughs> you're on a roll, says Tony in Malaga. Uh, milk, crocs, dogs, li- live and let live. Uh, no, it, it, first of all, the milk thing is not a. It, it was. I'm, I'm just reporting the news and then reflecting some thoughts on on those things. Um, I love dogs. I love milk. Not a fan of crocs, and that's it. And also, Tony in Malaga. What, what part of that is fair? You're there. We're here. So it's easy for you to say live and let live with your cappuccino by the pool. Tony, <laughs> he says you remind me of my father. Sorry, Tony, I know. It's, it's, it's January, it's a plague. We're allowed to uh, reflect on things in, a, in our own manner. Every time I hear a Bellex once, the text I hear talking heads. We all do, but they, they obviously were fans of, of that music, but I think that they have taken the best parts of it and they've made it their own. And uh, great tune. We like it very much. Regarding Agatha Christie, yes, Jen. Uh, she's sold more books than any other writer in history. The only two books that sell more are Shakespeare and the Bible. I got this info from a TV documentary that I saw recently about her. Yeah, she's a fascinating woman. You're not that unusual, Ryan. I only like cow's milk and no crocs ever. Thanks, Anne. You and me both. Let's head for the gondola. <laughs> 
in Venice. I've never been in Venice before. It's never once. I tell you, I always, my, my, my takeaway from Venice was the, the, the comment I always say, someone says, what did you think of Venice? It's as creepy as it is beautiful. That's probably because of, um, it's a very creepy place and very, it's probably because of Don't Look Now. That film got right under my skin and uh, years ago and you can't, it's hard to enjoy Venice after you've seen Donald Sutherland and Julie Christie and those odd uh, ladies with the with the with their thing and um, their kind of weird juju going on and the poor kid and the girl with the red coat and then the creature. If you know if you've seen it, you know what exactly what I'm talking about. If you haven't, do watch it, but with the health warning. You'd need to be in your whole or your health now watching. Don't look now. I think it's fair to say. Uh, huge reaction to Crocs. Huge reaction to Fridge Thief. Uh, but the Croc stuff is just, yeah, I love them, I hate them. So there's not much there other than to, um, yeah, but if you, if you have something, do let us know. 51551, The Fridge Thief. I lived in a house during a year working in the in the US, says Neve. And my Irish housemate was dreadful for taking my food. What was worse was that I worked evening shift, so I'd have a bottle of wine and a bar of chocolate saved for when I get home at midnight. Good on you. And she'd have it eaten and then the wine gone. I had no way to get more and it ruined our friendship. Don't mess with my wine or my chocolate, ever. I heard that 90% of people, says Ralph, who travel in a Rolls Royce, never travel in any other car after that. The Rolls Royce is a hearse in these cases. Well, that's morbid, uh, but kind of like it. And another from um, Disgusted of Royal Tunbridge Wells writes to say, I shared a bedsit with 11 guys. What? From Donegal in London, 1965. They only spoke Irish. I used to go around Highgate at 6am and steal milk, cheese and eggs and we'd have a fry up. One day a telegram came informing one of my friends that their father had died. Within an hour they'd all gone to Donegal. I gathered up all their gear, the ghetto blasters, new clothes and I brought the lot to a pawnbroker. I got £200 and took the second next boat to Dublin. Disgusted of Tunbridge Well. It's an odd story. Um, and one last one before we, we move on from Angela Massey in Dublin 5 could you wish my husband Joe Massey a very happy birthday he's 90 today uh, Joe, Joe Massey is 90 today of course I could and a happy birthday Joe so look why not have a great day if you head to the pub you'll be home by half eight 51551 is the text number back shortly The Ryan Tuberty Show on RTE Radio 1. Here's uh, James and Offaly. Uh, you hit the Venice on the head there, Ryan. It's a strangely magnificent, emphasising strange place. We were there for the Winter Mask Festival. It was like being back in time and uh, like being part of a mass cast of Interview with a Vampire. It took lots of shots and weeks after returning home, I was flicking through photographs and one photo in particular that I got a weird feeling about and I zoomed in and discovered four or five masked faces outside Ernest Hemingway's old haunt bar gazing directly into the lens from at least 100 metres away. Eerie. Well, you know what? It's a masked ball of some sort, the Carnavale or whatever they might call it. And uh, yeah, that's, I, that's, that's, that's really going full creepiness. I kind of like the sound of that. All right, let's take this tune after our chat with Jonathan. Just a moment, this time will pass. I like that. 
Uh, for anyone who's in a spot of bother in their lives. Nice, nice, nice words. Okay, that's you too, obviously, and stuck in a moment you can't get out of. Back shortly. I don't know who it was. Somebody recommended I watch a film called Fractured on Netflix, and I did last night, and you know what? I'm sorry, that was terrible. I mean, even though Anthony Hopkins is in it, and he's kind of good in it, um, and Ryan Reynolds, who's about eight in it, uh, is only all right in it, and the whole thing kind of stank, so I'm not going to give that a thumbs up, unfortunately. I'll tell you what I am enjoying. Uh, I, First Aid's Ireland's back. Brilliant. Operation Transformation. Love it every time. Dancing with the Stars back. So a lot of homegrown stuff I'm really enjoying because it's... Uh, I can relate to it in a in a in a way you can't with the digital channels. It's 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 uh, it's it's got a bit more soul, so that's good. Okay, um, it sounds great to be in Malaga, says Frank. I'm in Amiria and it's raining. How's the weather in Dublin? I think you said earlier it's a lovely morning. It's a lovely morning. Oh, oh, you're stuck in Spain. Ah, oh, you're stuck in a country you can't get out of. We're here in Ireland. It's mild. It's probably going to be sunny in the. Crocus and the daffodils are starting to peep through the earth and, you know, the sea looks beautiful if you're near the sea and even a forest walk if you're somewhere in the Midlands, it's just beautiful to walk through and maybe get a nice fresh ham and cheese sandwich, some cake, nice cup of tea, simple plan. And you're in Spain. Oh, it's a pity. Stay tuned for Claire Byrne. See you tomorrow. The Ryan Tuberty Show. Listen back on the RTE Radio Player.